electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Finally, we have a Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy has secured the votes narrowly. I mean, it, it almost came to fisticuffs on the floor. It did. I, I, that, that was all part of it. It was about as cool as, not cool, but I mean, it was riveting. And we have movement on jobs and wage growth. But is it enough to prompt a change from the Fed? White House Council of Economic Advisors member Heather Boucher. While we want to see continued wage gains, we wanted that pace to be more in line with what the economy can bear. And I think there, there was some good news. Those stories plus name that rapper. When it comes down to music, you know, I was the first to introduce the world to Lady Gaga. I introduced a lady who's well-known by the name of Sia. You know, I did her first record. I did Kesha. She was on my record right round. It's Flo Rida on his lawsuit against former partner Celsius Energy Drinks. This product has done, you know, over tens and tens of millions of dollars since I joined the company. I'm talking about the likes of Doja Cat. She's doing interviews. You catch her saying this is Flo's drink. It is Monday, January 9th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. First up today on the podcast, the U.S. stock markets coming off their best week since November. That is thanks to Friday's strong close. The Dow surged 700 points following the release of the monthly employment report. The economy added 223,000 jobs in the month of December, but wages grew at a slower pace than inflation. That, and data showing a contraction in the services sector, makes investors hopeful that the Federal Reserve's rate hikes are accomplishing their goals. Is this a sign that inflation, while still at record highs, may be cooling? And the Fed's very aggressive rate hikes, personified in the central bank's chairman, Jay Powell, were the right call. Joe, you were saying that, look, this could be a new turn. Labor soft landing, uh, uh, soft landing in the labor market. Right. Potentially. Yeah. That's what we saw for one month. I I will say Mike Wilson from Morgan Stanley is out with a new note this morning saying that this would be a time he'd sell after the gains that we saw last week. One or the other. He's worried that uh, the equities, uh, the picture has not focused in on the idea that you could be dealing with a lousy earnings season, he thinks, and hasn't fully priced in what could be a recession. So this is going to be a turning point where people start to take both sides of this trade. It's the great question of our time, whether we need a real flush with people still holding on to that, something, a test of the lows and maybe even below that. Or my preferred view is that (laughs) the length of time that we've been churning around has done enough to to turn everyone bearish. I mean, Robin Hood, um, people watching, you know, the the markets, there's so much negativity that I think maybe we've already done it. But what about Mr. Powell? Because where Mr. I come, Powell is looking at I come down at a little bit wages. more. What did you say? He's I, looking at wages. I come down if, a little bit more in the Morgan Stanley camp, insofar as I think you can't fight the Fed, and I think he's not finished. 
Earnings season kicks off with a low bar. I mean, that's what Tepper said, too. They're telling us what they're going to do, but I think the earnings have come down also. <sighs> I don't know. I, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful, and, and I'm back on the first week of January. So goes January. So as January goes, so goes the market for the year. It did not work last year, as we pointed out. What I will say is next week we'll have a really good idea because we're going to be in Davos. So whatever they say there, do the opposite. Is it AFC or NFC? Oh, for the Super Bowl indicator? It was NFC. It was the it? old. I think it was you had to be part of the old NFC. Is that what it was? No, either one. If, if you were one of the old ones, it, you didn't count as an AFC. You counted as an NFC. And it was NFC. Yeah, right. but, but wasn't it, it, it you wanted the NFC to do well? I'm I not, can't remember. I have to look it up. It's been good so team, long since I don't know. tried to rely on that. Right. Eagles might be good. I think the Eagles are good. But other than that, did, well, you, guys, you didn't Jets. see Dallas. <laughs> Dallas. I mean, that's, it like stunk to high heaven. It was, it was hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. Green Bay, hard to watch. But Kansas City, Bengals. Maybe it's Kansas City. Or as Jim Nance would say, the Bengals. Kevin McCarthy of the state of California, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. Gentlemen from the great state of California and the next speaker of the 118th Congress, Kevin McCarthy. But I hope one thing is clear after this week. I never give up. The drama in D.C. coming to an early end on Saturday morning. I shouldn't say it's early end, it really uh, a long end. Early uh, Sunday morning. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, Republican leader Kevin McCarthy winning the election for House Speaker on the 15th ballot after six Republican holdouts opted to vote, quote, present. There was some drama after the 14th ballot failed. McCarthy walked over to confront one of his chief critics, Florida's uh, Matt Gates, and then uh, McCarthy's McCarthy ally, Alabama Congressman Mike Rogers, began shouting at Gates before being restrained by another congressman. I mean, it almost turned... Something you could like, see. It's like somewhere else in the world, right? Exactly. South Korea or something. Well, or maybe even Brazil. Uh, or, uh, or Parliament, and right. where they hit uh, people. Here's what uh, McCarthy said after being elected House Speaker. And now, the hard work begins. What we do here today, next week, next month, next year, will set the tone for everything that follows. Tonight, I want to talk directly to the American people. As Speaker of the House, my ultimate responsibility is not to my party, my conference, or even our Congress. My responsibility, our responsibility, is to our country. Of course, the question now is what tone has may have already been set. Elon Moy joins us now on the new rules in Congress that McCarthy agreed to and what they could mean for key pieces of legislation going forward. Elon. Yeah, good morning, Andrew. Well, the first order of business for the House when it reconvenes today will be to adopt the rules that will govern the 118th Congress. That has to happen before they can start passing any bills. And Republicans are promising sweeping changes to fiscal policy. Among the measures they're proposing, prevent bills that increase mandatory government spending from even getting a vote. Force the CBO to estimate the impact certain bills will have on inflation and allow dynamic scoring of major legislation. The new rules would also eliminate a mechanism that would automatically increase the debt limit when a budget resolution is passed 
And it would require three-fifths of lawmakers to pass any bills that hike taxes instead of just a simple majority. Here's Republican James Comer, who initially opposed McCarthy before flipping his vote on Meet the Press yesterday. You look at the Republicans, we want to actually balance the budget, which means we're going to have to make spending cuts uh, in every area of state government except Social Security and Medicare. And that's a lot tougher job. So it's going to be tougher for Republicans to get to 218. But I believe we will. Now, hardline conservatives say they also won commitments to tie the debt limit to cuts in government spending to balance the budget and to try to cap spending at last year's levels. Guys, under these new rules, those hardliners do have the power to hold GOP leadership accountable for those promises. Back over to you. So what do you think? But Elon, can just go back to the, the whole idea. I mean, Joe mentioned this word parliament before. We were but, talking, you uh, were the talking, lower house. I know. You were talking about it in the context of how, just, how people gets nasty. tried to hit each other. But the other element of parliament is just this idea of these snap votes, which can basically upend the whole place, you know, in, in a hot minute. Um, how likely is that, you think, at this point? And in terms of, you know, putting aside the actual pieces of legislation that you're talking about, sort of from a governance perspective. Yeah, so the phrase that political pundits like to use is that it's very difficult to govern when you have a gun pointed at your head. And that gun, in this case, is the new rule that lawmakers are likely to adopt today that would allow any single member to force a vote that would oust the speaker. Now, that really hasn't been done, at least in modern history before. So it's unclear how that would go. One question is, what does this mean for Democrats? Would Democrats vote to oust McCarthy, join with a, a handful of Republicans who would probably be unhappy with him and then force him out of position? Would Democrats come in and save McCarthy and vote against that? So there's so many different political dynamics here that could uh, eventually come to the floor. But I think that's why this rules package is so important, because Republicans are saying no matter what happens with who is speaker, whoever is going to be sort of leading the ship, they want to make sure that there are codified um, there are codified processes in place so that their ultimate goal or their ultimate policy goal, which is to restrain government spending, that that remains, you know, that remains something that has to be followed. So you would need to have all Republicans in play in, together in order to change any of these rules. And this essentially boxes future, future lawmakers in. Well, what, what happens if the, the rules package doesn't vote? I mean, the, the rules package isn't passed. Is, is that a yeah. situation where? <laughs> yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that would be really bad. I mean, you've already had one week of trying to elect a speaker. Uh, and, and part of the way he got to be speaker was by offering these concessions. If that deal falls apart today, I mean, that you couldn't get off the ground to become speaker. You can't even get off the ground to institute and sort of organize the Congress. That, that would be another humiliating defeat for McCarthy, for sure. But that is, seems unlikely to happen at this point. House doesn't come back until five, so you know, we'll see what happens. Did you stay up, Elon? I didn't, Joe. I went to sleep. I had a Wex I, I hit. Up. I had a 5.30 a.m. hit that morning. Did, yeah. I had to go to bed. I was bed. up at 3.30, but, but everybody was around, and they wouldn't let me go to bed. But I wanted to watch, too. But it, did, did either of you watch what happened? No, I wasn't up that late. It's great. I watched I mean, it was, it was, it. I mean, it was kind of cool. I've never watched more C-SPAN than I was watching. Right. We watched, it was kind of watching it, you know, it's first time in 150 years or whatever. And I'll just tell you, in the 14th vote, you knew that it was a done deal. So for Matt Gates, Matt Gates, at the very end, anyone who's not there for the initial vote, they go back and, and poll them after everybody's already voted. Right. He left on purpose. Gates. Gates. 
went to the bathroom, so he wasn't there. And so Matt Rosendale, whatever his name is, from Idaho, who was also, a, I think he was a no or a president or something, so that it would come down. Matt Gates knew right. it at, because he left, he knew he would be like the, the uh, yeah. McCain uh, up or down vote. On, so he totally planned it that way. And at that point, it's going to happen. He either says present or he says, okay, you're in because it would be tied. And you knew he was going to get it on the next one. He still didn't do it. So that had nothing to do with policy. That had nothing to do with whether it, up, all it I, had look, to I saw do. I it all the next day. It, all it had to do was grandstanding. I'm Matt Gates. Uh, some people, if, if you like publicity, said it was a genius move to go to the bathroom so he'd be the, the pivot right. guy. He'd be the one. But then others say that during the federal investigation into the sex trafficking of a minor that, that Gates yeah. underwent, He's still mad that McCarthy didn't mount enough of a defense for him. And nothing ever happened. McCarthy didn't strip him from any of his committee assignments, and it never went anywhere. But that's all that this was probably about. Was it's been reported as a Rolling Stone report. But there were other things involved other than... Am I shocked right. to make that assumption? No. That's, I mean, I like... I, I think, you know, it I is... I mean, it, it almost came to fisticuffs on the it floor. It did. I, I, that, that was all part of it. You should have seen that live. I mean, McCarthy I walked over and it, oh, it was... I saw it. was the guy from was, Alabama where he had about to, like, as cool grab as a, him around his mouth and it, pull him back. It was about as cool as... Any, not cool, but, I mean, it was riveting. It was riveting to watch uh, as, as it was happening... I, I, I just have to say, the C-SPAN cameras, we know so much more about what happens behind the scenes. They're never allowed to train the cameras to look at any of this stuff when you actually have a speaker and when you have order and when the party that's ruling is able to put the, oh, here's the, right. here's the moment yeah. where McCarthy walked up and here's, what is that, the congressman from Alabama? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Away? Yeah, I don't know if there was going to be an actual swing, but he was certainly pointing and yelling. And the other guy wrapped his hand around his mouth right, to try right, to keep right, right. But Becky's right. We should all figure out a way to get cameras in there, just for transparency like, uh, for America. Right. right. You, you got to see. Otherwise, it's who all propaganda. Was to who? You right. got to see mm, yeah. when Donald Trump supposedly called on DT, Marjorie yeah, Taylor. It was DT, DT on Marjorie Taylor Greene's yeah. phone. And, then, to and, and, and the guy, I think that was the guy gave him the Rosendale. stiff arm. That was Rosendale. He gave him the stiff arm. But otherwise, it's all propaganda. Think about it. But think they also what we see every day. And I don't know. It'd be like people getting to see what happens on the commercial breaks here. I, I would, <laughs> no, I. Uh, <laughs> of course, we're not governing the country. We're That's not governing the, the country. These are elected yeah. officials. I think yeah. you should actually have cameras who, that can actually be trained where they need to be trained. I'd wonder why are they on that person, and then all of a sudden they'd go, Governor McCarthy or Hakeem Jeffries. You know, they they would put it on yeah. who was coming up alphabetically. Yeah. Right. It was pretty. It was it was kind of cool. It was democracy in motion. You learned a lot more of the 435 names of these right. people. You probably know more of them than we ever have in the past. I hope we get McCarthy this week. I, I'm I'm would like Working to out? talk to him. A CBC scoop. Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff now indicated in an all-hands meeting last week that more downsizing could be coming. That meeting coming just one day after Salesforce announced it was cutting more than 7,000 jobs or 10% of its workforce. A meeting attendee told CNBC that Benioff expressed concerns about productivity in parts of the sales organization. He said about half of Salesforce's accounts, account executives brought in more than 95% of the deals Salesforce expanded rapidly during the pandemic as cloud adoption soared, but now revenue growth is slowing and the company faces an activist investor in Starboard that concerned that it is concerned, I should say, about its operating leverage. Also just worth noting, they're now at the moment they've brought their employee base down to about seventy one thousand. If you were to bring it all the way down to what it was pre pandemic, or right when the pandemic began, you'd effectively be at fifty thousand. So they, they took it down by about 10% when they were 
basically about 80,000, yeah. got down to about 71 something. Cuts of another 20. Right? If you really were, 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 had to live in a sort of pre-pandemic universe, it would look uh, a lot more dire there, I say, in terms of the layoff situation. So. Do yeah. You, I, oh, it, it, do you know? I mean, have you been invited? To, I, I got a big Salesforce invite you, and I was like, oh, you know, they are going to have the. It was some horrible discussion that they were having that, that you know, I'd stick needles in my eyes before I'd go to that. But do you know if the big party where they have like U2 playing for millions of dollars, I, I guess they're not going to do that this year. Right? I don't know, Probably. but I would bet that they still would because guess what? They're in the sales business. There is still a business that they have to operate. Well, uh, it's Tell me how it is. The optics I'll let of you know. Let me know how it is. To begin with. I'll let a you know. A lot of companies, right. when you're dealing with layoffs, don't right. like to. I'm going to wash my hair that way. Okay. Cheese will be next. Next, on Squawk Pod, an economic outlook from the White House North Lawn, member of President Biden's Council of Economic Advisors, Heather Boucher. Right now, looking at the data, we do not see indications that we are currently in a recession. Plus, the push for fair drug pricing. Drugs are so important to family economic well-being because it's about health, but making sure that the prices that families pay are affordable and fair is core to that. That's all right after this. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Stand by Joe, his mic, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC Live from the NASDAQ market site. Uh, in Times Square, I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Slowing wage inflation and uh, seen in Friday's jobs report, renewing some hope that the U.S. could avoid a recession uh, despite historic rate hikes from the Fed. Join us now is White House economist Heather Boucher. She's a member of the President's Council of Economic Advisors and, and pretty much across the board, uh, uh, a lot of people, our own Rick Santelli, who uh, is a tough critic, as you know, Heather, was uh, really thought that was a, a solid a report for a lot of reasons. There's good job growth, but also one of the, the primary concerns of the Federal Reserve, and that is if wage growth were to get out of hand, a wage price inflate, uh, inflation, that that could be a problem. Um, did you see some signs of, a, of an easing labor market in, in Friday's uh, report? So Friday's report was really quite excellent. Um, I think it was that Goldilocks place we want to be. We're continuing to see jobs being added across the economy. That's good for American families, good for American workers, that those jobs are there. We saw that unemployment is at 50-year low, um, you know, uh, and that both 2021 and 2022 were record years of job creation. So that is all good news for workers. 
But at the same time, we've seen that pace of job creation slow, but down to a steady pace that is more sustainable. When we were trying to come out of the depths of the pandemic recession, we really needed those those blockbuster rates of job creation, that 600 a month, uh, 600,000 a month that we were seeing um, over a year ago, about a year ago. And now um, it's down to about, it was uh, 223 uh, last month for an average of a little under 250,000 over the past few months. So that is a more uh, sustainable pace. It's exactly what we wanted to see happen in the labor market. And then as you noted, Joe, on top of this, we've also seen uh, wages start to um, you know, continue to see wage growth, but at a more sustainable pace. So coming down to an annualized rate of 4.6% last month um, and, and with the monthly rate more in line, in line actually with historical averages. So all of that is getting to the kind of labor market that we can sustain over time that is continuing to build on the gains that workers have seen over the past couple of years. You see in the Fed minutes, Heather, they're sticking to their guns. And there's some that, that say, you know, not only 5% eventually, but maybe five and a quarter, five and a half on, on Fed funds. And that causes some people to think that the Fed is not going to rest until it gets unemployment back to somewhere around four and a half or 5% to, to ease uh, inflation concerns. Is the White House on board with that? that, that you know, number one, we don't want wages slowing. The White House wants wages growing. And we really don't want unemployment rising. Um, they're an independent body, the Fed. But do you think that the White House at this point is kind of saying, hey, guys, uh, guys and gals, uh, be careful? So here's the thing, Joe, as you know, and we say this every time we talk about know, the Fed, but... we do not comment on Fed policy. And we are focused on the things that, that, the, that we can do. And the president makes that very, very clear. He made that clear at a cabinet meeting last week where he talked to all the officials and you know, really made clear we are focused on the economic policy that the president does have say over. And right now, one of the most important things we're doing is focusing on executing on the robust economic uh, blueprint that the president has put in place over the past couple of years, making sure that those bridges are getting built, you know, being very excited that the cost of insulin is coming down to $35 for you know, all those Americans all across the country that need it, making sure that we're executing on the ability of, of families to get that um, over 3000 3200 uh, tax credit if they qualify for it, to, to do improvements to their homes, to make them more energy efficient, saving families money, and at the same time, helping us create those industries and those jobs in the clean energy sector. What, what so, do you tell, what do you tell, sorry to, to interrupt, but I'm just wondering, what do you tell the president about the likelihood of a, of a recession this, this year? And I, I know he, he made some type of comment that, yes, we could see a, a mild recession. I think he conceded that. What is the base case for you and, and, the, and the, the Council of Economic Advisors on whether we do see uh, a recession? And, and what well, would so it likely, what are you forecasting would be at this point? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So right now, looking at the data, you know, from the end of 2022, we do not see indications that we are currently in a recession. We saw job gains last month. We continue to see wages increase, but at, you know, albeit at a, at a slightly slower pace. We actually got upward revisions to, la to the, the most recent data on GDP, and it's actually faster than many of our economic competitors. We're now seeing inflation, you know, it has been coming down on a monthly level for the past few months. We look forward to that data this week, but that too, um, you know, is moving in the right direction. 
we've been able to um, you know, see that progress on gas prices for families around the country, you know, coming down sharply from those peaks last summer, saving families, you know, uh, lots of money each month at the pump. So all of that, you know, combined with the president's economic agenda, gives us hope that we are able to find this soft right. landing that everyone has been talking about. But you know, we'll get new data this week. Heather, an employment question. Uh, to the degree that the White House uh, is able to uh, campaign slash applaud the, the low unemployment number, should it be? Uh, and the reason I ask is ultimately I would imagine the Federal Reserve is looking at that employment number and oddly enough saying it may be too low. It may be what is causing inflation. Well, so one of the things, one of the bright spots when you dig into the employment report from last week is that that uh, unemployment number fell even as people came back into the labor force um, or, or joined the labor force newly. And that's a good indication that American workers still see opportunity. But, um, you know, we know that some many employers are still struggling to, to get that right mix of workers, you know, coming out of the pandemic. And so we still need to solve those real problems. But do you think problems. that number has to go up? before the Fed is able to effectively take its, its foot off the neck, if you will, of the economy when it comes what, to the issue of inflation? What the Fed, you know, the Fed's job is to focus on full employment and price stability. And right now, of course, we all know uh, inflation is too high, and that is what they are focused on. But, you know, they have made clear time and time again that they understand both parts of their mandate. And, um, you know, the, the thing is, is that when we're looking at the jobs report, I think one of the key things that we wanted to see was, was while we want to see continued wage gains, we wanted that pace to be more in line with what the economy can bear. And I think there, there was some good news. And the Fed is really focused on inflation. That is their job. That is where they are focused. And the administration is focused on so many other parts of the economic agenda. Heather, Daniel O'Day from Gilead, the CEO there, and one of his concerns he brought up for this year, he's speaking at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference out in San Francisco, kind of setting the tone for what they're going to be discussing there. One of the big issues he brought up was um, the, the caps that exist in the Inflation Reduction Act for, for, for drug prices and what that could potentially mean. I have significant concerns uh, relative to, I think, unintended consequences of the Inflation Reduction Act. To your point, um, you know, really discouraging investment in certain types of diseases or certain forms of diseases. I'm particularly concerned that that could affect underserved communities even more so in an environment where we're working really strong on health equity and trying to balance that. His point was that the United States is one of the few places, few countries, where patients are expected to pay so much out of pocket. Also worries that some of these caps could lead to real um, caps on, on innovation as well. And I just wonder, I realize you're speaking from the economic perspective of the White House, how important those caps are in the Inflation Reduction Act, what could be done about that and some of the concerns that could come out. Well, you know, the, the point of that part of the legislation was to really make sure that we are giving families that breathing room that they need and making sure that the prices of prescription drugs are not um, increasing wildly um, out of control or, you know, uh, faster than the pace of inflation and so or, or what they need to be. And so that is a big part of what that piece of the legislation is doing. It's making sure that drug prices are fair and reasonable. We know that this is a sector of the economy where there are issues around market structure and competition. 
competition where um, you know you've seen a lot of profits in that sector we need to make sure that those gains are shared with workers and their families drugs are so important to family economic well-being because it's about health but making sure that the prices that families pay are affordable and fair is core to that um, we do not believe that this is going to dampen innovation and there's been so much investment that the administration has been making across different fields to spur and to heighten um, economic innovation that uh, th this is a place where I think we are really focused on making sure that families are paying fair prices. Had some success with energy. We got to go, Heather. Next time we'll talk about, you mentioned investments in clean energy. I'm wondering if, if the, the viewpoint has changed at all on fossil fuels, whether, whether the things will loosen up a little there and what we do with the SPR uh, at levels like this. We got kind of lucky with Europe. The weather hasn't been bad, but we don't want that to, to happen. When you came out, did you see all those guys behind you? Do you know what? <laughs> I just couldn't. Were they it looked like they were playing cornhole to me. Was there a tournament <laughs> on? No, huh? No, did you, I, they removed I, a manhole. I asked. Is that, oh, you did, <laughs> ask. did ask. Becky already asked. Did you notice them, Heather? He just. Did, you, I can't. I can't see what's behind, behind me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only looking forward. I, yeah. That was not a. They, I know. I asked already as soon right. as we saw it. <laughs> I saw a guy look pretty good. At, that was not. Are you good at that? One of my favorite games. <laughs> Heather, Heather, thank you. Th thank you. We'll, we'll see you again. And then okay. they turned around and left. They looked and said, oh, my God, Heather's. Well, the careful, be careful walking yeah, don't, back. Yeah, don't fall in the manhole. Is it it's the human hole? Coming up on Squawk Pod, rapper Flo Rida. He's backed Kesha, Sia, Lady Gaga, and an energy drink called Celsius. And they've all proved successful. But his partnership with Celsius has soured. He's suing the company, and he's on the record with us. Next. I knew that, you know, something that represented me and it was parallel to what I believe in, I knew I could make it very successful. And I was in this thing for the long haul. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Our next interview is with rapper and pop artist Flo Rida. You know, behind Low and Right Round. He's more than a musician. He's had a longtime business partnership with energy drink company Celsius. But it's since soured. Flo Rida is now suing the company for allegedly breaching an endorsement contract and not delivering compensation he says he was entitled to once Celsius hit certain financial benchmarks. For reference, Celsius has blown up in recent years. It was founded back in 2005, but really bloomed during the pandemic when U.S. revenue soared over 200%. In fact, PepsiCo even noticed and took a stake in the company. Celsius's market cap is now over $7 billion. When it comes to Flo Florida's lawsuit, Celsius told CNBC that it enjoyed working with Florida years ago and wishes him the best, but they're disappointed in the litigation. Here's our Andrew Ross Sorkin with the rest of the story. Florida joins us now in an exclusive interview along with his attorney, John Ustall, and we appreciate both of you being with us this morning. Florida, it's nice to see you this morning. Tell us how this relationship uh, came about and what's now at stake. Well, this started back in 2014. I was asked to be the brand ambassador for Celsius. 
I mean, this was a young company out of the state of Florida. And, you know, myself, I thrive on health. You know, since being in ninth grade, all I did was, you know, love fitness, knowing that health is really wealth. So I was in this thing for the long haul. And basically, when it came down to getting compensated, you know, it was it was a time during the pandemic where I got a chance to really sit back and check out all my business. And in this one in particular, I checked it out. They were telling me that, you know, one of the products that I was endorsing wasn't selling. And then I, I got a chance to really look at it and I was in, and I was doing more than well. So, I mean, basically they approached me. I was out doing a fitness DVD out in L.A. And the product, you know, represented what I represent, healthy lifestyle. And this was basically like the only one. So I was like, you know, I think I could do something with this because everything that I ever touched being, you know, when it comes down to music, you know, I was the first to introduce the world to Lady Gaga with a record called um, Starstruck. I introduced um, a lady who's well known by the name of Sia. You know, I did her first record. I did uh, Kesha, you know, who um, she was on my record right round. I introduced people for the first time and they became very successful. So, right. you know, taking a product, I knew that, you know, something that represented me and it was parallel to what I believe in. I knew I could make it very successful and I was in this thing for the long haul. So it looks like from the, the complaint that you've made that they were supposed to issue you bonus compensation once the company achieved a specific dollar amount in terms of uh, the gross cumulative on the on the co-branded stuff. Uh, when did that happen and, and how much are you seeking at this point? Am I right? It's, it's man, you know, I was once told, you know, just joining the company and, you know, seeing, you know, how my success was and then taking the product that, you know, um, can be very disruptive, that, you know, this would be a product that could possibly make me a billionaire because this this product, you know, um, has done, you know, over tens and tens of millions of dollars since I've joined the company. I'm talking about the likes of Doja Cat. You you know, she's doing interviews. You catch her saying, this is Flo's drink, you know? You catch Khloe Kardashian saying, um, Flo, I like that drink that you're drinking and I, and, and you, and I always knew that you represented a healthy lifestyle. I want to test the drink out. So send her some, some cases. Right. She promoted this thing for free. I'm talking about, you know, I'm an international, um, star. So I've, I'm the reason why you see this product in Dubai. I'm the reason why you see this product in Asia. I'm the reason why you see this product in 7-Eleven. You know, those people that came to my shows and seen me performing off my performance alone, they seen the passion and believed in, you know, if it's, if Flo's going to touch something, I see that he's going to go all the way with this. So, I mean, right. every, the evidence there. Hey, hey, John, speak to the case here in terms of how, how much money is at stake and, and also have, have, you, have they entertained settlement talks with you? I mean, what, what's the state of play here? So, look, you, you have to understand the stock was the company stock was a uh, dollar or less when Flo got involved. It was a local company. He's here in Miami. He was already an international icon. This is a small local company. He believes in this product. The stock is now uh, on some days over $100 um, and there's 750,000 shares at stake. So there's a lot of money at stake in this, $75 million. Um, and so the question is, yeah, were the benchmarks met? And you've got this, you know, small local company that's now a billion dollar company. Um, and, you know, the evidence shows it, it's flow right as uh, was a critical part of that. Hey, John, from what I've read on this, it, it sounds like the contract had some ambigu ambiguities in it, that it was maybe not tightly written. Is that the case? And is that where you plan to really focus on this lawsuit? 
Yeah, so so the judge has already ruled that there's some ambiguities in the contract. Um, otherwise, the judge would have just decided it's this means this, and and either the benchmark was met or not. But there are some things that we think are clear, and I suppose Celsius thinks it's clear too. Uh, the people running the the show now, because that's another thing. The people Flo worked with are gone. He trusted them; they were family in his mind. Um, but but a lot of those people are gone. So the people now they think it's clear. So the judge says it's ambiguous, but you know what is a unit? You got to sell a certain amount of units. What is a unit? Um, and and uh, some some of the clauses don't have deadlines, um, so they say, well, there is a deadline, even though it doesn't say it. So those are the issues that the jury's going to have to decide, and we look forward to hearing what the jury and, says. And Flo, I guess that's the biggest issue. You kind of deal with people who you trusted, and those people are gone. Yes, yes, and you know my thing is I share my likeness, you know. Um, there's videos out there with me, you know, with, with Pitbull, you know, in the green light video, I'm, I'm, I'm showing, you know, a product that I took on as my own. This was my baby. I birthed this product. So I had no, I had no, you know, it, it was all in, 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 in good faith that in the long run, you know, I, I would be compensated and get my, my, what I well was well deserved of, you know, this video, I, if you know, the likes of Maluma, hundred millions of views, you know, on this video, the product is in there. You know, um, so, I mean, you know, at this point, I just I, I can, you know, if I was to give anyone advice, you know, just like uh, what President Ronald Reagan once said, he said, trust, but verify. That's that's what you know you should always do. But I'm very well, you know, um, I've always been a fan of the product, still a fan of the product. You know, um, I represent a healthy lifestyle. You know, you go to my shows, my fans, <laughs> sometimes they're drinking it because I'm drinking it on stage and things like that. And um, right. this this is the Flo, thing. Where I know you, Flo, I, I know. Are you still drinking the product on stage? I, I ask only because I know there was a there, <laughs> there was a, a a stick that you had or a product that was actually named after you. This is a Flow Fusion. Yes. Uh, they've now changed it to it was Flow Fusion on the go, and now they're just calling it on the go. Yeah, they're just calling it on the go. You know, um, and, and this is this is you know, this is quite sad that you know you you trust someone as family, and you look for things to to. You look to 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 be honest. You look to be trustworthy, and you know it boils down to this. But I'm like you said, I'm still excited. I I love the product, and I look forward to you know. I'm a big person of faith. I trust in God, and I know God will definitely bless me with what I deserve. Flo, we appreciate you joining us, John. We, we appreciate I you joining us as well. Yesterday. What were you gonna say? I saw him drinking it yesterday. He's still drinking it. He loves the product. Yes. Uh, we look forward to uh, following your progress in all this and uh, come on back. Thanks. Thank you so much. And that's Squawk Pot for this Monday. Thanks for starting your week with us. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You can tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the smartest moments from our TV show right into your ears, please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. Send us any thoughts or comments about the show or the podcast right there. Thank you for listening. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.